What's better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. This has been a pretty crazy week, or really, you know, last few weeks with everything going on with the coronavirus. Our president has declared a national emergency. Uh, The World Health Organization has declared the coronavirus a pandemic. Schools are being shut down. Rodeo and sporting events are being canceled. Uh, The stock market has taken a huge hit. Grocery stores are running out of toilet paper and, and other things that are going on. And, you know, many in the media, as they so often do, love to take these opportunities to spread as much fear uh, as possible. And, you know, as believers, you know, when we face something like the coronavirus or like Hurricane Harvey or any you know disease or natural disaster, the question really that we need to always ask is what's the biblical response to these types of things. And social media, news media, many others, you know, they kind of want to influence us with their opinions and their ways in which they think that we should respond. And, you know, for those of you who've been on social media or watching the news, there's, you know, a lot of different opinions and really just kind of two different extremes of what people feel about, you know, the virus and the impact it's going to have. And uh, I think it's important to be wise. We want to try to be rightly informed as much as possible. But really the most important thing for us as Christians is to be biblically informed in things like this. And, you know, there, there are several very important biblical truths that we need to hold to, that we need to understand, that we need to apply to our lives as we come to something like this uh, that will help us to respond in a biblical way. And so, you know, with all that's going on and all that people are posting and all that's being said to us, I thought, you know what, a good thing for us to do this morning is just to take a break from John and just to look at what does the Bible say should be the biblical response to something like we're encountering right now. And I just want to encourage you with three of those biblical truths. And these three biblical truths, really, each one has a specific purpose. Uh, The first biblical truth is going to help shape our perspective on things like the coronavirus. Uh, The second biblical truth is going to help us to know what not to do, how not to respond to these things. And then the third biblical truth is going to reveal to us how we should respond to the coronavirus. And my desire is that we would leave here this morning with a much different perspective, perhaps a much more biblical perspective and an idea of how we should be responding versus how we shouldn't be responding. And I want to start with the biblical truth that really kind of is the most important to start with because it helps shape our perspective of things like this. And that biblical truth is one that I hope we all know that God is in control. You know, I read a lot of social media posts by Christians, and I have especially this last week, and it seems that many have missed this very foundational truth that God is in control. You know, whenever things start to get out of control in our world, this is something so important to remember that God is still in control. He's still 
on his throne. He, he's still the creator of all of his creation and has full power over it. He hasn't lost that. It hasn't been removed from him. He wasn't surprised by the coronavirus. It doesn't have power greater than him. He is still fully in control. You know, 1 Chronicles 29 speaks about these great truths about God's power, about God's authority, about God's control over our world that I think is encouraging to be reminded of. 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and 12 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honors come from you and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might, and in your hand is to make great and to give strength to all. So God reigns over everything. He's the one with the power. He's the one with the might. He's the one that gives strength. He's the one who's in complete control presently with all that's going out of control in our world. And we need to not lose sight of that perspective. Because when you hear from the news media and you hear from a lot of social media, you know, we can kind of get uh, panicked and afraid because, you know, there is a lot of things going out of control. Just go to the grocery store. But, you know, the, the bottom line is God is still in control. And as believers, we need to keep that as the big perspective as we look at this event that's transpiring before us. And hopefully it brings comfort to you. Because here's the reality. You and I, we don't have to put our trust in the leaders of our country, in our state. We don't have to put our trust in the leaders of other countries. At the end of the day, our trust ultimately goes to the leader of all things, which is God. And so that's where our trust should be. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't really trust this person over this or that or, or whatever. I don't believe, you know, what they're telling me here or there. Well, that's okay because those aren't the people we should be putting our trust in anyway. You know, ultimately our trust should be in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who is truly in control of everything. And one of the important reasons of knowing that God is in control is because it directly impacts how you're going to respond. You know, if you don't buy into the fact and believe in the truth that God's in control, your response is most likely not going to be biblical. Your response is not going to be, you know, what we're going to look at in our third point of, of how to biblically respond. If you don't believe God's in control, you're probably going to do the things that I'm going to mention that we shouldn't do. Because when you lose sight of that, it has a definite impact on how we respond to things like this. And so the first biblical truth I want you to take note of is that God is in control and that truth helps shape our perspective when we encounter things like the coronavirus. The second important biblical truth that I want us to take note of really challenges us with how we should not respond when we face things like this. We should not respond with fear or worry. If you want to look at two of the most common responses, I'm sure you've seen it. You hear about it constantly if you're on the news. Uh, you know, you just have a lot of fear and a lot of worry going on right now centered around the coronavirus and the impact it's having on the economy and on the world. And that's just kind of, you know, uh, something that's happening. Maybe the most prevalent of all is fear. And as I mentioned earlier, there's plenty in the news media and there are plenty of people on social media where that is their desire. They want to pump as much fear into you as possible. You know, they, 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 they excel at it, you know, and they do that so well. And they're just wanting to, you know, produce this fearful group, you know, with all the things that they are saying. They want to fuel that and encourage that. And believers, we need to realize, you know what? We should never respond in fear. 
And the reason we shouldn't be afraid really comes back to the first truth. God's in control. You know, as bad as, as much as, you know, the world looks like it's out of control in many ways, when we realize God's in control, we can come back to the truth that, you know what, we don't need to fear. You know, there's many passages of scripture that reveal to us and challenge us not to fear, but I want to read a couple and I want you to note what's connected with it. When it says, don't fear, it gives us some reasons why, and I hope they encourage you not to fear presently. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not be, uh, dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 27.1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 91, 1-6, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the hand, from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noon day. Now notice in all three of these passages, when you look at this challenge to not fear, it's connected with God and the relationship we have with Him and what He does for us. Those are the reasons why we shouldn't fear. I mean, just look at this. Fear not. Why? Because I'm with you. Fear not because I am your God. Fear not because I will help you. Fear not because I will uphold you. Fear not because I am the light of... uh The Lord is the light of my salvation. Fear not because the Lord is the strength of my life. Fear not because the Lord is my refuge and my strength and my fortress. Fear not because the Lord will deliver me from the pestilence that we're in. You know, something important for us to understand is when Jesus is with you, there's nothing to fear because He can handle everything. He's got it all under control. And when we recognize the relationship we have with Him and our connection with Him and what He offers to us, the Bible's saying, hey, don't fear because He's our God. It's personal. You know, we can say that. He's my God. He's the one who gives me strength. He's the one who will enable me to get through whatever comes my way. And something else important for us to note is the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives to us, we're told something important about in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, as the Lord Jesus ascended back to heaven, He says, better that I go because if I don't go, the Spirit can't come. But if I do go, I'm going to send the Spirit to dwell in you. And here we're told something very important. He didn't give us a spirit of fear. And so if we're relying on the Holy Spirit, if we're trusting on the power of the Holy Spirit in circumstances like this, hey, we shouldn't be afraid because that's not coming from Him. He's not a spirit of fear. That's ours. And if we trust in Him, we can know that He can help us overcome those fears. And so when it comes to this coronavirus, the first way we shouldn't respond is with fear. And the second way we shouldn't respond is another way that we see a lot of people responding today, and that is with worry. Luke 12, 22-28, Jesus speaking. Then He said to His disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. 
Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? This is a very famous passage you know, one of the ones we come to when it comes to this issue of worry. And Jesus here addresses it in such a great and powerful way. And this Greek word here translated worry means to be anxious, to be troubled, and distracted with cares to worry. And you know what? The coronavirus, that's been what has, you know, been a common response. People are anxious, you know, they're concerned about the cares and things, they're troubled, they're worried. But notice that Jesus says, Do not worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled. Don't be distracted with cares. And then he gives, you know, some examples of things we shouldn't worry about. And after those examples, Jesus gives a very important question that I want you to note here in verse 25. He says, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? What Jesus is saying is, is which of you by worrying can add anything of benefit to the situation that you're worrying about. And I think this is such an important question to always pose to ourselves whenever we are are in a place where we feel, you know, worry is about to come or we're already engaging in worrying. Or for those of you who right now are worrying about the the coronavirus and all the impact that it might have, you know, we, we need to ask this question or several questions just like Jesus asked here. And I want you to think about these questions. Like, does your worry about the virus benefit your situation? Does your worry change the situation? Does your worry make you less likely to contract the virus? Does your worry put more toilet paper on the grocery store shelves? Does your worry make the situation any better? Does your worry improve the situation in any way, shape, or form? Now the answer to all those questions is no. It doesn't do any of those things. Worry doesn't benefit the situation. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't get you out of the situation. It doesn't make the situation any better. It doesn't improve the situation at all. There's only one thing that worry does, and that's make the situation worse. That's all it does. It just adds something negative to an already bad situation that you're worried about. There's no positive benefit. It only has negative consequences. I want you to think about something with me. Let's just say that you contracted the coronavirus. You go in, you speak to a doctor, and the doctor says, you know what, I have this new, you know, drug, and we want to kind of test it out on you because, you know, we're we're trying to figure out a a, a solution to this virus. And so you're all excited and say, hey, doctor, is this going to help me get better? And he says, no. Okay, well, at least will it improve my situation? No. Okay, will it change my situation or maybe make me less contagious to my family? No, it won't do that either. So what will this do for me? Well, it'll give you some horrible side effects. You're going to have blurry vision. Your hair is going to fall out. You're going to regularly vomit. Your muscles are going to hurt. It's going to increase the likelihood of you having a heart attack 
and you know, there's a good possibility that you could die. Now, if a doctor wanted to give you that drug that's not going to help your situation in any way, shape, or form, and is only going to bring negative you know, side effects to you, would you take the drug? Probably almost all of us would say, no, of course not. You know, why, why would we want that? But you know, the same thing is true with worry. It's a foolish thing for us to choose to do. Why? Because it doesn't benefit us in any way. All it does is bring more negative side effects and problems to our life. Now, after posing this question, Jesus gives another example of why we shouldn't worry. And then he finishes with kind of the summation of the real heart of the issue. When it comes to worry, he says, oh, you of little faith. And this is really what it comes down to. The reason we worry is because we're not really putting our trust in God. You know, that first point of God in control, trusting in that reality, when you lose that and you lose that trust in God, Jesus is saying, you know what, the real motivation you have for worry is the fact that you don't trust me. You don't have faith in me to take care of you in these circumstances. George Mueller was a missionary. If you read any of his biography, he was a man of amazing trust in God. He wrote this, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. You know, something very important for us to understand is that trusting God and worrying, they can't coexist. You can't do them at the same time. You're either going to do one or you're going to do the other. If you're worrying, guess what? You're not trusting God. If you're trusting God, then you're not going to be worrying. You know, it's going to be one or the other. They're not going to be, you know, coexisting together. Now, something important for us to understand is that worry is a choice. It's not something we have to do. It's not something that we're forced to do. Now, I know that we're influenced to do it. I know that a lot of the media, you know, feeds us with stuff that, you know, kind of promotes that, but it's still a choice that we make to do it. It doesn't mean it's not difficult. It doesn't mean there are not issues. I mean, there's definitely issues that are going on with the coronavirus. There are definitely, you know, consequences that it's bringing. Obviously, people are dying from it. The economy is taking a, quite a hit from it. People are losing jobs from it. Yeah, there's a reality that there are things happening, but we still have a choice. You know, am I going to respond to this with worry or am I going to choose to trust God instead? So the second biblical truth I want us to take note of challenges us with how we shouldn't respond when we face things like the coronavirus. We shouldn't respond with fear, and we shouldn't respond with worry. And that leads us to the final biblical truth that I want us to look at. Okay, now that we've seen of what shouldn't we do, well, how should we respond? What are the responses that we should have towards this? And I just want to look at four of them. We should trust God, pray, love others, and act with wisdom. Now, the first response is really something I've just noted as we looked at the worry and the problem of it and what we should do in replacing it, and that is to trust God. You know, this is one that's so huge. We say, well, how should we respond? Well, we should respond by trusting God, which is connected to that first point of realizing He's in control, and I'm going to trust the one that's in control. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and he shall direct your paths. You know, as you read many of the social media posts that are out there right now, and especially have come out in the last couple of weeks, it's clear that many people are not trusting God, but instead are leaning on their own understanding. And it seems like a lot of people all of a sudden have become uh, infectious disease experts over this last week. 
I found this meme that I thought was quite humorous. Just imagine, you know, Forrest Gump saying this. And just like that, everyone was a CDC expert on the coronavirus. And, the, you know, that's kind of the sad reality of you look at social media. and It's like, wow, everyone became experts and they all have these opinions and everyone seems to know exactly what's happening. You know, when the reality is, I think if we're real with ourselves, all of us have some ignorance in this topic, all of us have some issues where we're just not knowledgeable enough to really make some, you know, full, you know, conclusions with how the things are going to, you know, result and do things. But you know what? That's okay because we don't have to know all the answers in this because our trust isn't in that. We're not relying upon our own understanding. Instead, we're trusting in the one that we do know knows what's going on. And that's the Lord. And we're trusting in him, not in my ability to grasp everything but my fact that he's in control and that I trust in him in this. And so if you're struggling with fear, I encourage you to do what David did. He wrote this in Psalm 56.3, Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. This is a great thing. You know, when you fear, one of the, the things that combats that fear is to say, you know what, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. That's what's going to help me overcome this fear of what's transpiring or what might happen. You know, that's the thing that's going to help me move forward with this without doing the thing that I shouldn't do, which is fear. So the first way we should respond to this virus is by trusting the Lord. The second way we should respond is by praying. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice we start off here, we're told, be anxious for nothing. Now it's interesting that the same Greek word translated anxious here is the word that when Jesus says don't worry, they're the same word. They have the same definition. To be anxious, to be troubled, distracted with cares, to worry. So what this verse is telling us is there is nothing that we should be getting anxious and worried and troubled over. And this kind of flies in the face in the way in which we often think. Because most of us have our own scale uh, of what we determine um, as really bad and, and worthy of anxiousness, worthy of being uh, worried about something. If something's bad enough, then we say, okay, well, now it's okay. You know, if there's a pandemic, you know, if there's this natural, if there's this emergency, if there's these things, that then in our minds we say, well, this is justified in being worried. This is justified in being anxious. But this verse tells us, don't do it. No matter how bad the situation, don't be anxious or worried. Now, the thing I love is we're not just told, don't do it, and then that's it. Instead, we're told what we should do in its place. Instead of being anxious, instead of being worried, as we've already know, which does us no good anyway, replace it with something that actually is going to be of benefit to you. Replace it with something that's actually going to do something to help your situation that you're in, and notice the thing that we should be, uh, replace it with is prayer. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God wants us to bring every situation to Him, but especially these ones that are bringing us to this place of anxiety and worry and fear, that we would just bring it to Him, trust Him with it, and watch the benefits that come from doing that. And that's the thing that I think will bring us great encouragement because notice what verse 7 says. If you're going to pray instead of worry, 
there's a wonderful result that comes your way. And the result is seen here in verse 7, which is just a, a wonderful truth that we have. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. You worry? All these negative things come. There's no positive benefit. If you replace it with prayer, notice here we're told that there is a positive benefit that will actually help you in the situation that you have. And we're told that instead of worrying, you pray and God will give you peace. And there are three important things we're told about this peace that God promises to give us if we pray instead of worry. First, we're told the kind of peace that it is. It's the peace of God. Notice it's not the, a peace that some man or woman could give. It's not the peace that this world can offer. This is a peace that originates with God himself. It's his peace. And the reason that we need to uh, accept that and understand, hey, why is that beneficial? Why is God's peace better than what this world can offer, better than what people can give to me. And there are two things that we're told here, two reasons why God's peace is better than the world's peace. And the first reason is because the peace of God surpasses all understanding. You know, when it comes to having peace, usually we come to a place where we say, you know what, I have to understand in order for me to be at peace. If I don't have that understanding, I'm never at that place where I feel at peace. And I think this is really clear here with the coronavirus, where there's so much different information, so many different extremes. You know, it's hard to say, you know what, I feel like I really understand the the virus and the impact it's going to have and, and how it's going to impact not only our culture, but the world as a whole. You know, I think we're at a point right now where it's difficult to say, you know what, I have that understanding. And because of that, it's hard for people to be at peace because, hey, if I could fully understand the impact, if I could fully understand the likelihood of me getting it, if I could fully understand what that would do to our economy and the world's economy, and I had all that in my mind, well, then maybe I could step back and be like, okay, well, now I'm at peace. But the reality is we don't know that. We don't know how much longer it's going to go. We don't know if it's going to you know, cost us our job. We don't know if we're going to get sick. We don't know if the loved one or ourselves might even horribly you know, have a death. You know, we don't know any of these things, you know, whether they're going to be extreme, whether they're not. But the reality is we don't have to know that because our peace is not based on our understanding of what's transpiring. And this is the thing I love that God's saying, you know what, I will give you a peace that surpasses Understanding. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to know how it's going to work out, how long it's going to last, how it's going to impact you or your family or loved ones. Because you know what? I can give you a peace even when you don't have that knowledge. And that is something that is a huge blessing and very unique compared to the peace that the world offers. Because it's only a knowledge-based peace where God can offer something that surpasses that knowledge. And that's one of the reasons why it's so much better. But there's another reason why, and that's because it guards your heart and your mind. This Greek word translated guard is a military word. It means to protect by guarding, to keep something safe. And notice we're told two things that God's peace guards, two things that God's peace will keep safe, and that is your heart and your mind. 
And you know what? Those are the two biggest areas that we are attacked with when we come to these things like the coronavirus and we're worried and we're anxious. We're, we're being attacked in our heart and our mind. You know, our mind is where our thoughts are. Our heart is where our emotions are. And both of those areas are areas where we greatly struggle when we don't understand what's going on. You know, we have that intellectual struggle and then there's emotions that come with it and we see what's happening and we start being concerned of how this is going to impact us. And notice that God says, my my peace is going to protect that. It's going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind. And so these areas that are most vulnerable, if you will just come to me and pray, I can help with your thinking. I can help with your emotions. But guess what? You go start worrying and not praying. All that does is just make the thinking worse and the emotions worse. You start dwelling on all the, the worst possible scenarios that could happen and just increases the emotional turmoil you go through when you get to say, you know what, I'm not even going to deal with that. I'm going to come to God in prayer and I'm going to watch how he gives me his peace that surpasses understanding and how he guards my thinking and he guards my heart. And I'm going to walk away from this benefited instead of in a worse situation than I started with if I just start worrying and getting anxious and letting all these fears drive me to do things that God's Word tells me not to do. Psalm 34.4 says, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What a wonderful connection. David writing, hey, when I came to the Lord and I prayed, not only did He hear me, but He delivered me from the fears that I had before I came to Him in prayer. And I think the same true for you and I. You know, if we will come to God in prayer, He is the one who is able to deliver us from the fear that we have associated with the problems that we encounter. So the first way we should respond to the virus is trust in the Lord. Second is pray. And now third, and one that we really need to think about right now because we're not seeing a lot of it, love others. And I want to share two passages of Scripture, one that encourages us to love and the other that really shows us in a practical way in which that looks like. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You know, the reality is when we face something like the coronavirus or a hurricane or, you know, any type of thing like that, you know, the, the natural selfishness of people rises to the top and starts to come out. And people that you think were just calm and collected and just so well behaved all of a sudden become monsters. You know, I mean, just look, I had a video that I ended up not using, but, you know, you just look at the news media in the sense of video footage of grocery stores. And this one that I saw, you know, was this younger woman knocking down an older woman, taking a bag of uh, toilet paper from her to put in her cart. And it's just like, you know, what are we coming to? But, you know, you just see where people are at, and all of a sudden it's like, man, all I'm concerned about is me, myself, and I, or maybe my family as well, and I'm going to get whatever I need, and I don't care about anybody else in the process. And we're kind of seeing that happening before us. But as believers, there should be a different way in which we respond. You know, that shouldn't be us. I hope that I never go into a grocery store and see anybody in here behaving in that way, that our behavior should be very different than the way in which the world is treating others that there should be a, a clear love that comes from our actions and our words 
in the midst of all that's going on. You know what? This is a time, and I, I know we saw it really clearly at Hurricane Harvey as well. There are moments in which, you know, it's just magnified what the church does that just is seen so much more clearly because it's contrasted so powerfully with how the world is acting that we can step up and just be a beacon of light and love in a way that's more powerful because there's so much unloving selfishness happening so that when we do the opposite, it's more noticeable. And so that we as a church can really impact the culture as a witness for Jesus in a time when so many are just being selfish and we stand up for being selfless and more like Christ, and loving others, and helping take care of needs instead of just our own. So the first way we should respond to this virus is trust the Lord. Second, pray. Third, love others. And the final thing I just want to throw out there is act with wisdom. Matthew 10, 16 says, Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You know, throughout the Bible, we're just encouraged to be wise in everything that we do. And when we come to a circumstance like this and a situation like this, you know, we want to be as wise as we can in our response, in the way in which we post things, and just how we uh, live in the midst of things like this. Uh, and, you know, I think it's good to gain as much right, and I want to emphasize the right knowledge because there's a lot of wrong knowledge being spread out there. It's good to try and be as wise as possible, to be as well-informed as possible uh, so we can make wise decisions concerning how we should practically deal with what we're facing right now. And we see passages of Scripture that talk about the importance of that. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs 18.15, The heart of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the uh, ear of the wise seeks knowledge. So it's an important thing to say, you know, I'm not just going to not acquire anything and just sit in my house and not, you know, try to learn more. I mean, I think it's good that we seek to acquire good knowledge about what's happening so that we hopefully can be more wise in our approach to how we should respond. And it seems like, you know, the three things that are mainly agreed upon when you take away both extremes of, you know, it's going to kill everybody and don't do anything about it. You know, it seems like the, the middle ground three kind of agreed upon things is one that we should have been doing all along. It's kind of disturbing that this is a new thing. Wash your hands regularly. I mean, that seems just like a practical wise thing whenever, you know, there's viruses or, you know, that's happening all the time. So, you know, it's good to wash your hands. If you haven't been, you know, maybe starting that now would be a good idea. Uh, secondly, it seems that, you know, what staying away from large crowds not just because well I'm a I'm afraid that I might get it but you know what what if I get it and pass it on to someone who is older and has you know more problems and it could be uh, something more problematic that you know we can you know avoid large crowds for a bit of time and then third you know if you are sick then quarantine yourself you know don't purposely go out and spread it if you know you know you got sickness then you know don't come to church and and don't come other places where we don't want to share that so you know it's just a, a practical wisdom but you know what with all of it the wisest thing that we could do and i think there's a lot of people who are so focused on the practical who are believers right now and you know they've gotten they bought everything that they think they're going to need for the next 10 years you know and you know they get all this stuff and you know uh, they feel all right i got all my practical bases covered but, you know, the wisest thing is, but do we have our spiritual basis covered? Have we actually thought about the biblical truths of how we should be responding, not just the practical things that we should do? And I'm not saying don't do practical things. I think we should be wise and take proper practical steps. But we also need to be, you know, basing everything that we make decisions on 
through the Word of God. And so I want to just encourage you with these three biblical truths. Keep them in mind. Apply them to your life in this time as you're just making decisions and responding to what's happening. First, God's in control. Let that be the biblical truth that shapes your perspective. Second, don't fear. Don't worry. Let that be the biblical truth that reveals to you how not to respond. And third, trust God, pray, love others, and act with wisdom. Let that be the biblical truth that reveals how you should respond. Now, this is not easy. You, know, you look at this, and you know we do have those natural selfish tendencies. And you know, to do right and to do biblical and to love, you know, that's hard. And this is where we really need to seek the Lord for His strength, seek the Lord for His wisdom, seek the Lord because we recognize, God, yeah, I have a tendency maybe to jump into things fearfully or to worry or to be selfish or to not love others or whatever it may be. And so I want to finish this morning um, with two things. I think we should really just be addressing, you know, the Lord and praying for ourselves of God. I really want to, you know, respond rightly. But also there's just so much going on right now that as a church, I just want to take some time just to pray, pray for our nation, pray for the world as a whole, you know, just pray that as believers, we have, you know, a great opportunity to do things. And I'm just going to throw out some suggestions of things we could pray for. Uh, you can pray for whatever the Lord puts on your heart, but here are some suggestions. Uh, wisdom for our local, state, national, and international leaders. You know, they need a lot of it. You know, and the decisions that they make definitely impact us. So, you know, I think pray for them. You know, the Bible tells us we should regularly be praying for our leaders anyway, but especially right now, you know, pray for God's wisdom to be given to them. Uh, pray for breakthrough and testing and treatment that we could, you know, get things sorted out quicker than later uh, to just save a lot of the problems that might come. Uh, pray that our Christian witness through this event would be characterized by grace, love, and peace. You know, pray for the families who, hey, their kids are out of school and they're not used to that. You know, now they have an added issue. Like, what are we going to do with our kids? I got to go to work. I got my kids here for the next two weeks or more. You know, let's pray that there's some wisdom and there's some practical things that, you know, can help those families who have that problem. Uh, pray for advances in the development of a vaccine. Uh, and pray for God to show you specific ways that you can serve him and his people during this time. You know, maybe you can help someone with child care needs. You know, maybe you can help obtain, you know, appropriate medical care for someone. Maybe you can be there to comfort someone who's, you know, going through difficulty with this or run an errand and maybe pick up some food or find a place that has some toilet paper or whatever it is that, you know what, there's practical things that maybe we could do to help, especially those who are struggling to get out of the house or those, you know, who aren't able to, to go and wait for two hours to, to buy something that we could say, hey, you know what, I'll take care of that for you. So uh, there's just a list. You can pray for anything that you feel led to. But I just want to close this morning, uh, and I'm going to close this in prayer, but I'm just going to give some time for anyone who wants to pray. I encourage you to pray. And let's just bring this before the Lord. Uh, let's just ask Him to help us in this, you know, as a church, as individuals, just to shine brightly for Him in this time and to see Him impact lives. So if you want to pray, I encourage you to do that. And then I'll close this in prayer.